And he called the people to him and said to them, Hear and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a person. Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard the saying? He answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, Explain the parable to us. And he said, Are you still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. What's your favorite part two film? The reason I ask is we're certainly into sequel territory with the message for today. Because we are doing part two of Jesus' conversation uh, with some Pharisees in Matthew chapter 15. And really he's, he's in the middle of an argument. You know, we might be polite and call it a discussion or whatever, but that's really not the tone of what is happening. And so if you're with us last week when we looked at the first little exchange, what we saw was the Pharisees uh, said to Jesus, these religious leaders, they said to Jesus and his disciples, you know, you're, you're, you're wrong. You are disobeying God's law. And Jesus counters the Pharisees and say, no, actually, you're wrong. And not only are you wrong, you're hypocrites as well. And so in our message last week, we kind of unpacked, what does that mean? What, let's, let's unpack this hypocrisy. What does it mean for them? What does it mean for us? What is Jesus teaching? How does this kingdom of heaven that Jesus is bringing in and we've been looking at through this paradox series, how is this all relevant? And what are the truths of that that hit our lives and hit our hearts right now? And so the passage that you've just heard read uh, is continues on. So what we got there, the Pharisees say, Jesus, you're wrong. Jesus says, no, you're wrong and you're hypocrites. And then in the passage we just heard, Jesus turns to the crowd and says to everyone, hey, this is why these guys are wrong. And what we see is the disciples are like, whoa, this is escalated quickly. And they sidle up to Jesus and say, you know what? You've, you, you've offended them. You've offended these Pharisees. This kind of pattern is, I think, something that's quite uh, familiar to us. Maybe in the workplace, maybe with family members, maybe just when we're out with friends. A discussion happens, different points of view are taken, and then things escalate a little bit, things get a little heated, and then what happens is someone gets offended. And the moment someone gets offended, the whole tone of everything changes. Sometimes, in fact, the original discussion, the context of that is it's not relevant anymore because actually what's happened, someone's been offended and this is now the big deal. 
And I was just thinking, you know, how many times in sort of office corridors or whatever has this kind of phrase been uttered? You know, they, they got really offended by what you just said. And that, that's, that's what's going on with Jesus and his disciples. Now, if you're anything like me, if that ever happens and someone comes up to me and says, you know, actually what you said, they, they're offended. My instinct is, oh no, I've offended them. This is the worst thing ever because it's going to be really awkward now. And I just want to do everything I can to make it right. I do need to apologise or whatever I need to do to, to sort things out again because it's the worst thing in the world when someone's offended. I don't want that. It's going to ruin all our relationships and that sort of thing. We need to sort this out quickly. But we read in this passage, Jesus doesn't respond like that. The disciples are like, you've offended these Pharisees. And Jesus, well, he doesn't seem to be that bothered. Uh, It's not quite in the text there, but I don't know when you look at these verses. Verse 12, they said, you've offended these Pharisees. And Jesus goes on to answer in verse 13. When I read that, I I think there's a shrug there. (laughs) Jesus is like, you know, okay, I've offended them. You know, actually... They're blind guides. They're going to be rooted up. They don't really matter. I think this kind of blows the disciples' minds a little bit. You get that in verse 15 when they're like, when Peter pops up and is like, explain this to us. Explain this parable to us. It's kind of like, what? You've offended these religious leaders. And it doesn't even trouble. It doesn't even bother you. Now, and it's important to remember who these people are that Jesus has offended. These Pharisees, they are the, the sort of the top of the pile in, in that society. They're most influential, powerful people. Everyone respects them. And it's those people that Jesus has offended. You know, I've translated to our work scenario. It's not just that, you know, some of you've offended a work colleague. You're in a meeting with the CEO and you've offended him or her. Or in a family situation... It's like, okay, you know, sometimes people are offended. No, it's, you've offended grandma. The one person that you don't offend, that is what is is going on here. And in fact, the the word, the Greek word where uh, it uses uh, offended, it's actually the word scandalizo. It's it's where we get the word scandalized for. It's not just a minor slight. It's it's an outrage. It's an affront to these Pharisees. And And the disciples just can't deal with it. They're so shocked. But Jesus is unmoved. Jesus doesn't seem to be troubled by it. How? How is it? It's like Jesus, he's operating on a different level. The principles that go on in our uh, interpersonal interactions don't seem to apply. The reality is Jesus is operating on another level. It's an example of this kingdom of heaven that we've been thinking about in this paradox series. It's not a parable, but it's an example of Jesus' behaviour. Actually, Jesus' mentality, his perspective, his reality is coming from a different place. And it just, it's grounded out in these everyday interactions that we have. Jesus is free from the petty offences that, that might happen. He's operating on this different level. How is that? What can we learn from Jesus here? Because I think this affects all of us, whether it's sometimes we offend other people and that's uncomfortable to us, or when it's someone else has offended us and it just blows up in our, in our minds and it's a big deal to us. 
you know, what can we learn from Jesus? If you're anything like me, you know, if someone offends me, that's the kind of thing. It keeps, keeps you up at night. Don't they realise what they've said to me? I'm offended by what they've done. It's a big deal. It doesn't seem to be a big deal. Jesus is both offended and offends other people, but he's untroubled by it. What can we learn from Jesus? So in the time we've got today, I want to unpack that. I want to unpack how this works out in society normally and then contrast that with what Jesus does and how he interacts. The first point I want to make really is often in our everyday interactions, offence is like treated as something that is, is sovereign. I've already kind of described that type of uh, interaction where, um, you know, a discussion's going on and then someone gets offended. Sometimes that's used in those sort of discussions as like a trump card. It's like, well, you've offended me now. And sometimes what that means is, well, I don't have to interact anymore. I don't have to engage in this discussion. You know, who's right and who's wrong doesn't matter because I'm offended now. It's like a power play. Sometimes that is how uh, things play out. I think that happens more and more, it seems. Where does that come from? This elevation of offence is the big deal. Let, I mean, let's be, let's be honest. I think the church, actually, even like the last few decades, the church, this is the strategy the church has often used. The way the church, in general, interacts with society is, we're offended by stuff. We're going to hold their banner up and say, we're offended, and you can't say that because we are offended. Often that's how the church is seen. But it's kind of ironic that in, I think in re- more recent decades, that strategy has been adopted by everyone. Like, that's how people interact. No, this, you can't say that because I'm offended by that, and we overplay that. Now, I'm not saying things are going on in life that we, you know, we should never be offended by anything. No, there is, quite rightly, things that are offensive, and it's not wrong to be offended at all. I'm talking about when that is elevated to the most important thing. And that changed the whole dynamic of everything when the power play is used of offence. Where does that come from? I think it partly comes from our society that is very individualistic. And in in many ways very, I guess, self-important as well. Often we have messages in our culture that come to us and in society that are like, well, you know... Think of you, you, you're an important person. The world just needs to uh, sort themselves out and don't apologize for who you are and find your own destiny. And it promotes very uh, self important attitudes. Now, when that happens, and some of that is not wrong, it's not wrong to have some level of confidence, but when, we're, when everything's about ourselves and how important we are, what happens is that, well, when someone offends us, they are attacking that idea. They are coming against that, and therefore it feels a big deal because they're striking at the heart of, uh, of who I am. I'm, I'm an important person. I, I'm forging my own destiny. Okay, but where, where do we get this idea that we're all so, so important and our self-importance and everyone respecting us is the most important thing in life? Where does that, where does that come from? I, we, we, don't, we certainly don't get it from Jesus. One of the most famous things that uh, Jesus says, that everyone knows Jesus said, is, is, you know, turn the other cheek. That's like the opposite of that attitude. If someone insults you, you know, just carry on. Just let them. Jesus doesn't buy into this great thing of self-importance. No, no, he's, there's other things that Jesus is teaching us that are more important than this. But we live in a society that's very tempting to think of, you know, offences sovereign as the highest importance because we are the most important people. 
And it's interesting how this plays out. You know, there's probably not many things that keep us awake at night. And there's, there's great things in the world that are, 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 are troubling when we think about them. And probably, perhaps we don't get kept up at night by things that maybe should keep us up at night. Or, you know, the injustice in the world, the poverty in the world. We live in a city where loads of people, loads and loads of people don't know Jesus. And we, you know, do those things keep us up, up at night? Not often. But when Joe from Accounts makes a stupid comment in a meeting that undermines us. Oh, those are the things that keep us up at night. He's offended me. Does he not respect me? Does he not know the work I've done? Somehow, when it hits us, it can be a very big deal and it goes round and round ahead. I've been offended. I've been affronted. They've not respected me. Where did that come from? I think it's perhaps come from, are we thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought to? We have perhaps an inflated sense of self-importance. Jesus doesn't, Jesus doesn't buy into that. The second thing I want to say is offence, it clouds uh, decision-making. So offence is sovereign, but also offence clouds decision-making. What do I mean by that? Well, I think it's something that Christians are particularly susceptible to, could I suggest? That we get so sensitive to people's offence and people being offended by stuff that we conclude if we say something or do something or make a decision that would cause someone else to be offended, we automatically include, well, it must be wrong then. And we maybe even sort of justify that idea, you know, to ourselves. We're saying, well, you know, God's called us to love our neighbours and so we don't want to be unkind. Okay, yes, we don't want to be unkind and uncaring towards other people. Jesus isn't uncaring to people. You know, all the way through the Gospels, you see Jesus as love for people, as care for people. However, is that the thing, not wanting to offend people, that motivates Jesus? Is that what informs his decision-making. No, Jesus is clear it's not. Jesus said, I'm here to follow the will of my Father. That is front and centre. And sometimes those of us who are Christians can get into this idea, well, as long as I don't offend people, I'm just nice to people, and I don't want to do anything that offends anyone or anyone upset, that's, that's what it means to, to be a good Christian. And this can be so elevated that we end up actually not doing the things that God has told us to do or following our calling because we're so aware of, oh, I don't want to upset anyone. And actually, perhaps sometimes we maybe think, well, we're being loving to our neighbour. Is, is, is that what's going on? Is it because we care about them? Or actually, I know it's true in my case, sometimes it's, I just, I don't want them to not to like me. So I'm just extra careful not to, what I say and what I do. And that clouds my decision-making even more than you know, what is right, what is God called me to, what the things he, he's leading me into. This can have lots of different applications. I mean, perhaps in, you know, in the workplace. You know, we, if you're a Christian, you want to be a good Christian. You don't want to you know, upset people or that sort of thing. But you can be drawn into the workplace culture and some of it is just ungodly and not helpful to be involved in. The workplace gossip, the workplace inappropriate banter, the workplace, you know, after drink drunkenness and that sort of thing. But we're so dominated with this idea of, well, I don't want to upset people. I don't want to seem aloof that we just join in wholeheartedly with all of that. 
And actually, you know, we've ended up disobeying God, involved in ungodly behavior. Now, yes, we want to be loving to people, but actually it's more to do with fear of other people, what they might think of us, than actually fear of God or following him. Perhaps in, in a family dynamic, what's going on sometimes is that we, well, this discussion that Jesus is involved in came out of a discussion about what it means to honor father and mother. And of course, that is in the Bible. That's what God says. But somehow this can be distorted and we feel a big pressure from relatives or family members to live in a certain way and we feel trapped by it. We feel that, well, I have to do this certain job or I have to study this certain course because that's what everyone wants me to do and I feel this pressure. And if I don't do that, well, I'm going to offend them. I'm going to really upset them. Now, of course, we want to honour and love and respect, but is what's going on is actually fear of upsetting people is actually the main motivator rather than actually obedience to what God has called us to do. Jesus doesn't live his life in fear and sorry, obeying offence. No, he obeys his father. That is what is front and centre to him. And we can easily get off track when we put too much stock in, oh, I don't want to offend other people. You know, the Pharisees themselves, I'm sure they set out to obey God and do what God's word said, but they got so caught up in external pressures, different ideas, the traditions, the socially acceptable practices, that they just, they end up actually losing sight. And Jesus even said, disobeying God's law, because these other pressures come in, and offense can do that. We can feel we have to tiptoe through life. No, what's God called you to? <laughs> you know, as, as a church leader, as a church pastor, this is something we have to think about. Of course, as leaders, we don't want to upset people, but that... That, if that's too big in our minds, we can end up doing, well, you can't make this decision because someone's going to be offended by it or let down by it. I can do this because I can't see you. But how many of you have been offended or a bit upset by a decision that this church has made? <laughs> At some point, that's going to happen. Now, partly that is because we don't get things right and we need to apologise for that and that sort of thing. But, also, but I can be, as a church leader, locked into that. And thinking, well, we can't make this decision because people are going to be upset. Rather than thinking, okay, we want to love them, we want to serve them, but God has called us to go this way. And we've, I've got to navigate, we've got to navigate that as a team. And that's the same for individual situations as well. Rather than thinking, oh, are they going to be upset? Now, what's God called you to do? What is right? What is pursuing the walk of Jesus? And Jesus is exemplifying that. I'm doing the will of my Father. If people are going to get offended, well, that's inevitable but I'm pursuing what God has called me, the Father has called me uh, to do. We live in a world where offence is sovereign, offence can cloud our decision-making. Let's look more closely then at what Jesus is pointing us to in this, fi- in this final part. What's Jesus' response? Well, Jesus points us to the heart. The heart, the problem, the problem of the human heart. Always the way with the gospel. And that's actually what he says in the passage that we just have uh, read out to us. He addresses the heart. It's not what goes into you that is important. It's what comes out of you and what comes out of you from the heart. His main criticism of the Pharisee, these religious leaders, is that they're so concerned with externals, they've completely ignored what's going on in the heart. And from the heart is true obedience, true worship. That's what it's all about. You know, we see in verse 17 there, Jesus says it very bluntly, very directly. 
what goes into you, if you're so concerned about what you're concerned about, Pharisees, that ends up in the toilet. That's pretty much what he says. Like you eat it, it's expelled. <laughs> what, that's not, a, you know, it's not an accidental reference there. He's saying legalism, this self-righteousness that you've focused on externals and not focused on the heart and the heart of God, that's rubbish. That's disgusting. Legalism is disgusting. And what God has always been after through the Old Testament law, through the coming of Jesus is the heart. Is our heart right before God? That's what Jesus is pointing out here. And Jesus is saying the reason why you Pharisees are so easily offended, the reason why is because your hearts are not right. Because there's pride in there, there's an inflated sense of self-importance, there's bitterness. And so you're easily offended by anything that attacks that and is a front to that. But you've got it, you've got it wrong. And so that criticism from Jesus to the Pharisees, I think that causes all of us to reflect on our own hearts. Okay, whether it's we're very sensitive to offending others or whether actually when someone offends us, it's such a big deal to us, more than it should be. What's going on there? Well, what's going on in our hearts? That's what we need to reflect on. That's what we need to look at. That's what Jesus is pointing us to. You see, Jesus demonstrates the solution. Jesus himself shows that he is immune from these petty differences and offense causes and that sort of thing. He's immune to that. Why? Because his heart is at peace in relationship to his Father in heaven. He knows his identity, his security, the, the perspective that it brings when he's in perfect relationship, at peace with his Father in heaven. He's at, he's at peace. He's at, he doesn't have to react. He doesn't have to justify. He doesn't have to defend himself. No, he's, he's found peace. And we live in a world that so in so many cases, has, doesn't have this peace at all. You see, this peace comes when the questions of our hearts are answered. There's questions that are in all of our hearts. Am I lovable? Am I desired? Am I valuable? Am I worth something in this life? Am I enough? That's the questions that are going on in our hearts all the time. And when those questions are unanswered or are not confident on the answers... Of course, when someone offends us, that's going to strike really deep because it answers that question. Oh, maybe I'm not valuable. Maybe I'm disrespected. And, and it provokes a reaction because there's no peace under the surface in our hearts. And it's no surprise when we have a culture like that that has those questions unanswered that anxiety and easily offendedness are two features because they come from the same root. There's, there's no peace in the heart. We don't know who we are. We're struggling with our identity. We're insecure. And Jesus said, you don't have to live like that. Jesus says, actually, there's a different way. There's a kingdom of heaven that brings the perspective of what it has, means to have a relationship with God the Father. That is where Jesus is coming from. And Jesus said, if you, if you don't get that, if you don't come into this kingdom, if you don't embrace this gospel, if you don't come into this relationship with God as a father to you, you don't know what your heart is capable of. Like at the end of this passage, Jesus lists all these evil things. You know, it's fr if, you're, if your heart is not at peace, all these symptoms are going to come out. Evil thoughts and even murder. Like what? 
you know, you get insulted and you murder someone. Jesus, that's what happens. That's what happens in this passage. Jesus, in, you know, they're offended by what Jesus says. The Pharisees have the hand in executing, crucifying Jesus. That li- that's, that's what literally happens. You know, that's what literally happens in our country all the time. People murder one another. Why? Because sometimes they disrespected me. And we think, what? How can disrespect go to murder? It's because what's going on in the heart. There's no peace there. There's insecurity. And offence becomes an attack on that. I'm going to respond. Now, maybe for many of us, it just limited to those evil thoughts. Doesn't get to those more extreme examples. But who knows what our hearts are capable of when they don't have that peace that Jesus is demonstrating to us. It's not an exaggeration to say these horrendous things come out from a heart that is not at peace. And the same roots of pride, bitterness, self-importance can actually lead to the most horrendous things. So what about you? What's going on in your heart? Have you recognised that maybe you're easily offended or you're too sensitive to offending others? You're losing sleep on it? Or maybe you're just shocked by the evil thoughts that are in your mind that come when, when these types of things happened. What we all need, we need heart change. We need heart change. We need Jesus to change our hearts. And how does that happen? It happens by coming to the cross. Because at the cross we get the perspective and we can actually deal with this pride and deal with this self-importance. We come to the cross where Jesus took the offence of the cross. He was brutally crucified. And at the cross we can know his forgiveness for us. Yeah, we are proud. Yeah, we think too highly of ourselves. No one thinks too highly of themselves when they come face to face with the cross of Jesus Christ. Where the Son of God is crucified. And and my sin, my self-importance, I lay it down then. And I realise that God so loves me that he's given his son for me. When you see that clearly, that's all that matters. That's, that transforms your heart. The love, the sheer love of Jesus transforms our hearts. We recognise what he has done for us is overwhelming. That he would know the evil thoughts in our hearts and yet love us. And I can exchange my self-importance with just worship and adoration at Jesus. And that brings about in us a freedom. When someone offends me, when someone attacks me, well, the cross says, I'm, I, am, I am pretty bad. <laughs> I don't deserve other people's respect. And yet, the cross also says to me, but I am loved by God. And so they might not like me, they might be offended, by, but I'm loved by God. And I find my security in that. And that brings a freedom. It brings a freedom to life that that Jesus shows here. I don't have to be dominated by fear of offence. I am free to worship God, to live my life, to follow the calling of Jesus and embrace this kingdom of heaven, this new way of thinking and being and heart transformation. So are you burdened with Fear of offence. Are you burdened by the way that someone else has offended you today? Bring it in the light of the cross and the death and the resurrection of Jesus that the Holy Spirit can come in and bring new life and new freedom 
lay it down and receive the freedom of forgiveness and the love of God that's expressed through his death and his resurrection and experience even in worship that transforming of your heart from bitterness into a heart that worship and cherishes Jesus.